It's July 5th, 2015, the FIFA Women's World Cup Final in Germany. Professional soccer player Carly Lloyd and the United States are taking on Japan in a deja vu scenario. Here we are in the final, getting ready to play Japan, who we have faced 2011 World Cup Final, and here we are 2015 World Cup Final. Japan versus the United States. U.S. will try to become a three-time winner and end this long drought. The United States lost to Japan in the 2011 World Cup final in a thrilling shootout. The two teams meet again four years later, and the stakes are high for both countries as they each have gone undefeated in the tournament. Both teams were under pressure, but for U.S. women's national team star Carly Lloyd, that pressure fuels her. I mean, I thrived under pressure. I was prepared for pressure. I had trained millions of hours. Just three minutes into the game, Carly gets her first chance to score during a corner kick. That first corner kick was actually designed for me. Played in short on the ground, quick shot, go! The way that I was able to get it in the back of the net was just with the outside of my left foot. And the second one was a free kick. Sending it low again. The foot from Johnstein loose. Another goal. Carly Lloyd again. Two nothing U.S. You know, for me, it's just the willingness to do whatever it takes. This is just all about sheer desire and wanting to get in front of your player. And Carly Lloyd has done it on both of these set pieces. Carly has now scored two goals in the first five minutes of a World Cup final. She and the rest of the U.S. team don't show signs of stopping. They have their foot on the gas. Only 16 minutes into the game, Carly finds herself at midfield and absolutely launches the ball. Lloyd with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper! I knew that that, that Japanese goalkeeper always played off her line, and I went for it. I wasn't thinking about anything a second past what I was doing or two seconds prior than what I was doing. I was literally in the moment. She's really in the zone. She knew where the goalkeeper was. That's not a fluke. That's not luck. That's Carly Lloyd right now. This is In the Moment from Religion of Sports and PRX. I'm David Green. Each week, I sit down with an elite athlete to relive one of the most important moments of their career and break it down second by second. Recently, we had our first live recording in front of an audience with former U.S. national team star Carly Lloyd. I spoke to her in New York City at Religion of Sports House of Football, a week-long event that celebrated the world's most popular sport. Carly talked about becoming the first woman in history to record a hat trick in a World Cup final. These moments don't happen all the time because everything needs to be synced up. And that was my moment. Like that was my moment where my head, my body, everything had been synced. Back after a break. When Carly Lloyd joined me for a live recording of In the Moment, she had just come back from Qatar, where she was working as an analyst for Fox Sports covering the Men's World Cup. 
She retired from the sport last year after a 17-year career. During that time, she won two World Cups, two Olympic gold medals, and two FIFA Player of the Year awards. She's considered one of the best female soccer players of all time. But the 2015 World Cup stands out in her career. It wasn't just her historic hat trick. It was a comeback from a disappointing showing in 2011 against Japan. The two teams were tied 2-2 after extra time, and the game was decided in a penalty shootout. Three Americans, including Carly, missed their penalty kicks, or PKs, and Japan won the game. Can you just set this up for us? I mean, the pain from losing to Japan in 2011. Does that stick with you for for four years, like just hoping for another chance? 100%, especially when you miss a PK in the World Cup final, like I did. And you held that personally. I mean, that, that loss. Oh, absolutely. We felt like we were destined to win in 2011, just the way that everything kind of unfolded. Our win against Brazil that, that went into PKs, we all made, you know, every one of our PKs then. And then to have faced Japan in the final and to have another penalty shot, a PK shootout. Your mind starts to play, you know, tricks with you. Do you do you keep your same spot? Does the keeper know where you went last time? And we stepped up and we we second guessed, we questioned, and uh, yeah, it was devastating. I mean, that's that's something that you don't you don't get over. Um, we flew back to the U.S. and um, we were treated as if we basically won the World Cup, and we were like, this is. You know, we got second place. How did, how did, but we, we started a trend that kind of led us into 2015. What was the key to that? It just was this, this build, you know, everything was building. Everything was just there for the taking, right? You know, you talk about moments, you talk about opportunities and do you capitalize on those opportunities? But we were, we were just generating so much support and so much following. And then you have a Fox sports that comes in and takes over the rights for the TV broadcast and invest money and share stories and, you know, just highlight our entire team. And it was the moment we took advantage of. So 2015, you go through six games, you give up one goal. Were you feeling like, this is it, we're going to face Japan, this is destiny, we're going to beat them in that championship? Not in the beginning, no. I think we started off very defensive-minded. Uh, Jill Ellis wanted us to essentially in, in, the, in the midfield almost play with two defensive midfielders with Lauren Chaney and I. That's obviously not in my nature. My, my nature is attacking-minded. So we were not coming out on the front foot. We were, you know, kind of taking the back foot and just allowing teams to start to come to us. And so getting through that group, I mean, we got through the group and the talk of the town was, you know, this team's not going to win a World Cup. Everybody thought we looked terrible. Everybody thought that we were going to potentially go out in the first round of the knockout stages. And So was that still nagging at you as you faced Japan in, in the final or had you kind of gotten through dealing with that? narrative and those doubts? Well, it was a, it was a build, right? So we got out of the group. We then face Colombia in the knockout stage. That's where we sort of started to come into our own. And it wasn't until we had some yellow card suspensions where Megan Rapino and Lauren Chaney actually had to sit out a game against China in the quarterfinals. And so 
that's when Jill decided to listen to what pretty much the entire media was saying. <laughs> Unleash Carly. Hashtag and, for tonight. And she did. Well, Unleash Carly seems appropriate to talk about the <laughs> that World Cup final. Um, I mean, your team comes out four goals in 16 minutes, three of them scored by you. And the third one, did you plan for that to happen? <laughs> I mean, did, did you see their goalie in a certain place and be like, I'm literally going to kick this from near midfield and, and I'm going to score here? So I'll go back probably several months to when I was running on the field by myself and I had my music on. And I just kind of get lost in my thoughts and think a lot. Obviously, you're, you're doing grueling running, so you have to, your mind has to go somewhere. So I actually visualized scoring five goals in a World Cup final. Five. Five. And I did have the opportunity to score two more in that game, and I didn't. I did not visualize scoring a goal from midfield, but yeah, I, I visualized it. Like I actually thought about scoring five goals in a World Cup final one day when I was just running on the fields with no one around me doing sprints. And several months later, you know, I find myself in this situation. Did you think back to the memory of, of that, that dream, that fantasy when, when you were on the field here? This was just literally the flow state. And, and that's why, you know, you, you think about the great moments. You think about the Michael Jordan flu game. And I think when you are prepared, when you're having fun, when you're just in the moment, you know, things happen that you can't really explain. And it just happened to pay off in a World Cup final. What made me and allowed me to thrive under the pressure is knowing that I was always prepared. Like I knew that, that no one else was training as hard as I was, was focusing as much as I was, was living and breathing the game of soccer as much as I was. I mean, I would go to the training field and it would never end there. I would come home. I was constantly thinking about the game, thinking about things that I needed to do. I don't know if you guys have all seen that I'm I've already filmed this show, but the show's coming out on January 4th on Fox. It's called Special Forces. It's, it's pretty wild. 16 household names have left their lavish lifestyles behind. I don't care how rich or famous they are. They've entered our world and they will play by our rules. There's things that I did on that show, you know, rappelling out of a 175 meter tower, um, back diving out of a helicopter, lit on fire, tear gas. I've pretty much lit, thought lit on fire. Yeah, just, okay. I, I pretty I much thought it. I was going to die every day. I didn't, obviously. But it's a show based on a very condensed special ops training course, and the the whole idea and premises on it is to try to survive ten days without quitting. And every bit of it is in your mind, you know, like how you, you don't panic, you know, your, your positive thoughts of what you can do to yourself, uh, tell yourself. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So we talk about pressure. It's all in the mind. It's the self-talk and it's your preparation that allows you to. And don't get me wrong, there's special people that are able to do it. Not everybody is going to be able to 
withstand some of the pressure that even these special ops guys, you know, withstand or, you know, a, a, a football player or soccer player. There's different levels of it, but we're capable of achieving and doing anything possible in life. I really believe that. Yeah. So that show, if we watch a show like that and think that it's all fake, that you're not actually being lit on fire, you're actually being lit on fire. Oh, it's real. Okay. How much or what was the feeling of the, the pressure you all were carrying to win this game? See, I didn't feel any pressure that day, which is odd. I felt the pressure in the beginning. I think we all felt the pressure in the beginning. And then I don't think that we felt it as much in the semifinal game. And then we didn't really feel it in the final game. When I go back to that, that moment, you have to believe. And, and, you know, we, we really did believe that we were going to win that game. Like there was just something about everything where we, we knew it. What is it like to represent your country on a stage like that and to have that much personal success with a hat trick? I mean, it's indescribable. It's, it was one of the greatest moments of my career, hands down. And, and I talk about this build from 2011, right? And it, it just all came together at the right moment. And all of our lives changed. And then the pressure became even more immense. How but, did your life change? You know, I think for me, being on the national team in 2005, I was part of Olympics, World Cups, you know, doing well within the team. Just not, you know, not really out there. Didn't have a ton of endorsements, didn't have a ton of opportunities. And it was almost like I needed to score three goals in a World Cup final at that moment for people to be like, oh, wow, she does play on the team. No one can take the history away from you, right? So we're forever etched in in history. And it, it was really, it was just such a spectacular moment, especially being in Vancouver and in Canada the whole time. I mean, we felt like we were playing a World Cup in, in the United States of America. And you felt that. You felt the crowd. You looked up. You saw red, white, and blue everywhere. And so it was almost better we didn't win in 2011. Wow. Because I think for this moment in time, social media, like I said, Fox Sports, everything just kind of came at, at the right moment. I want to ask you, there was a, a headline, and I, I almost I feel weird even reading this to you because it, it's just, it's mean. But the next day after you win a World Cup title and you score three goals, the Washington Post has a headline about you, beast, weirdo, choker, winner. And all about what they described as contradictions in Carly Lloyd. When you listen to that, is it, is that just plain mean? Uh, I mean, believe me, I took notes. I took notes till the end of my career. I'm still taking notes. Um, this reporter should watch out, haven't, basically. Haven't, haven't forgotten <laughs> any of those bits. Um, in fact, it's in my Players' Tribune when I retired, you know, just a, a lot of things that that I just took note of. And, you know, I was fueled and always fueled by my inner motivation. But the haters and the doubters pushed me to greater lengths. So I'm I'm appreciative of that. Because I don't know that maybe there wouldn't be moments like this. You know, maybe, maybe I wouldn't keep rising. And I think, you know, when people see 
a successful person, but also a confident person who's not afraid to say what they think, who isn't afraid to ruffle feathers or, you know, just speak the truth. A lot of people can't handle that. And I think because I'm, I'm female, it has never kind of gone over well with people. They, they just label you as arrogant. But if a, a male, Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, say they're one of the best players and, you know, no one trains harder than them or, you know, no one's more mentally tough than them, it's okay. But why wasn't it okay if I was confident in myself? I backed it up and I prepared to be able to speak that, then there shouldn't be anything wrong. So I think that people just look at things. They've got no clue of the situation. I failed a whole lot in my career. And because of those failures, I've been able to have those moments. You say it's different um, being a woman. Is anything getting better? Have you seen progress in your career in people in the media and fans? Um, I mean, I think it's different circumstances. I think that people just really misunderstood me in the beginning of my career. You know, all they saw was literally the tunnel vision, the the crazy eyes. That was all I was about, you know. And and now in this life after soccer, people are seeing a different light of me. You know, the, I'm smiling. I'm, you know, sharing a little bit more about my personal life. But that's always been there, just not for the whole world to see. And... I think in the end of my career, I think people now have understood why I was the way that I was. You can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't try to be the best of the best and, you know, not have a crazy tunnel vision of focus. You just can't do it. And, and that's why there's very few of them. You know, there's, there's not a, a thousand Tom Brady's or Michael Jordan's or Kobe Bryant's. They're few and far between. And the singular focus that is needed is immense. It's a lot and it's not for everybody. So in that department, I think, you know, I don't care either way. Like I'm just going to keep being me, but I think on, on the other equality issues, yes, it's starting to get better, but I, you know, I still think that there's still a ton to go. I mean, we should say U S soccer pay equity for men and women finally far too late this year. Is that something to celebrate or is that something we should say it shouldn't have taken that long or both? Yeah. I mean, it took long, you know, but I always knew that that the deals we were signing were never good. You know, it, it just, it, it made us think that they were good and it made us believe that we just had to accept what we were given. It was almost criminal in a sense where we win a world cup, which is one of the hardest things to do. And we not only win it, and get a you know a little bit of a bonus month once it's split amongst all of us. We then have to play 10 games to earn more of a bonus. So we have to do more work, even though we just won an entire World Cup. So it was always baffling. You know, you you would think that that you'd make like six times the amount of what you're meant to make by winning a World Cup. And that just was never the case. And I think because US soccer knew that we would most likely win. And so they didn't want to put the bonuses super high. When we come back, we talk to Carly about some of the sacrifices that come from playing at the highest level of a sport. It's a lonely life. You know, it's football is an amazing game and it gives you amazing moments, but it's also lonely. That's after the break.
Carly Lloyd has told us about the ups and downs in her career. One of the toughest times was in the run-up to the 2012 Olympics in London, when she got pulled from the starting lineup. That whole 2012 Olympics was, was pretty devastating, to be completely honest. I remember playing a game in Philadelphia right before we were kind of getting ready to go over to, to London. And, you know, I was dealing with ticket sales and my friends and family coming and, and all sorts of things. And we talk about kind of the, the mindset and the tunnel vision of, of focusing and what the mind can do. And, and I didn't have a great half. And so I came out at halftime. Pia was the coach at the time. Uh, Jill was the assistant coach. And from that point on, I pretty much lost my starting spot. And um, I lost my starting spot mainly because Jill Ellis convinced Pia to keep me out of the, the starting lineup. So that, that kind of started from 2012 on. And so I got pulled and I remember coming home for about two weeks before I was getting ready to go over and you know, just absolutely devastated, you know, crying, feeling like my whole career was going to be pretty much over. And what I did was I trained three times a day. I trained in the morning. I came back in the afternoon after lunch and I trained in the evening and I ran and I did ball work. And that was literally the only thing that I could control. And so when I went there over into camp, I was playing so well. I was fit. I was feeling confident. And I obviously had a point to prove because I knew what was going on. Shannon Box had gotten injured in one of the training sessions. And so I knew that there was the possibility of me perhaps going in the game at some point or, you know, the team needing me. And so that happened first game of the Olympics against France. We were actually losing to nothing. We talk about, you know, the visualization again I visualized the night before coming in and scoring the winning goal. And Pia had also come into my room the night before and said, you know, just be ready to go. I'm not sure how much Shannon can, can play. So I said, I'll, I'll be ready. And sure enough, 16 minutes in, Shannon Box goes down. Unfortunately, you never want to see that happen. So I went in, you know, we're losing 2 nothing, then 2-1, two, 2-2. Two, two. I score the winning goal, 3-2. Alex ends with the last goal, 4-2. And at that point, same thing, couldn't take my foot off the pedal because I knew at any moment they were going to be looking to take me out again. And I never left the field after that. And we won the Olympics. That was a big turning point in my career. That was a moment where I knew that I could go on to become the best player in the world and nothing and no one was, was going to stop me. I was lucky enough to interview you a few years ago when you released your memoir, When Nobody Was Watching. It's an amazing book. So you're, in addition to all the other things we've talked about, you're a great author. And I remember you and I spoke about your youth and sort of dreaming of playing soccer. And there was a time, and this was astounding to me, that you thought about quitting the sport altogether when you were trying to get on the, the under 21 team. And you told me that, that you were missing something in your life, like the, someone, like a person to guide you, to ask you challenging questions. What, what exactly were you missing and, and how hard was that? Well, I think for so long, I, I had never really been 
you know, I, I guess all of my coaches, if I was giving 80% of my 100, it was still better than most people's 100%. Sounds about right. So, I would just play. But really, I needed somebody to kind of kick me in the butt a little bit and say, hey, you know, you've got to work hard every single day, not just pick and choose your moments. And I really just just needed someone to tell me, this is what you need to do in order to get to the next level. The, the next level, everybody's talented, everybody's good, everybody's fit. And in order for you to stay there, you've got unique qualities about you that you could be a part of that team. But this has to be part of your life. You've got to train hard. You've got to get yourself fit. You've got to, you know, become mentally tough, tougher. So I really hadn't failed per se up to that point. And then when I got cut, I didn't really know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to bounce back from that. You know, once I started to make some lifestyle changes and start working hard and making myself just give everything I have, uh, in each and every training session, then I, I started to see things changing a bit. It sounds like such a lonely journey to be doing all of that hard stuff without someone kind of guiding you through it. Yeah. I mean, the someone I had, I really don't want to talk about. So, um, you know, that was, uh, there's some positive things within that situation and there's a lot of negative things within that situation. So I think we all have journeys within our life that shape us into who we are. And I'm grateful for that. But, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's incredibly important to surround yourself with a good support system. I've had my, my husband along for this ride my entire, pretty much my entire career as we've been dating since high school. And he's seen me at my high, seen me at my low. And if it weren't for his support all these, these years, you know, it would be truly very, very difficult, but it's a, it's a lonely life. You know, it's football is an amazing game and it gives you amazing moments, but it's also lonely. It's also hard every day to live up to the pressure, to deal with the pressure, um, to reinvent yourself every single day. Uh, you've got critics, you've got doubters, you, you know, you've got all sorts of things that are kind of coming at you and it can be very challenging. So it, it's, you often see, you know, a lot of people kind of crumble through tough and challenging situations. So it's so important to make sure that you've got good people around you. A part of your journey, your life journey that you wrote about um, was losing touch with your parents for a long number of years. How did that happen and what did the sport have to do with it? You know, I've, I've grown up with a great family. You know, my parents supported me to do what I love, didn't have a lot of money growing up, but gave me the opportunity to succeed in, in one shape or form. And, you know, when I kind of went through this journey, uh, they, were, they were there in the beginning. And then um, we had a bit of a falling out for about 12 years everybody's sacrifices are different. And uh, mine happened to be, you know, 12 years of not speaking to my family, missing birthdays, missing holidays, missing weddings. Uh, you know, I wasn't at my siblings' weddings. They weren't at, a, at, you know, at our wedding. You know, 2020 is obviously a year that none of us will, will ever forget. I happened to be home for 10 months straight. I also happened to have my first ever surgery in my career. So, Whatever 
kind of came throughout all that, that moment in time, life changed for the better for me. And, uh, that person I didn't want to talk to exited my life, which was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me and my husband and my family. And my family came back into my life and they were able to be a part of my ending the last year of my career, which... These last Olympics, right? Last Olympics, you know, farewell games, uh, 300th cap, my last and final game in Minnesota. You know, it was almost like picture perfect. It was almost like it was all meant to, to kind of go down like this. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing so far. I've got, you know, three little nieces. We just haven't missed a beat and life has been really good. I'm so happy. Like that I remember talking to you and just feeling with the end of the conversation we had a few years ago, like that just the, I'm so grateful as a fan for everything you put into this sport. But it sounded like the sacrifices were immense and, and this you deserve this this ending. Yeah, and I think you don't realize like I didn't realize because you have such tunnel vision to achieve something, you don't realize how much weight you're carrying with the situation until you're almost kind of removed from the situation. And yeah, it was, it was almost like the weight of the world was just lifted off my shoulders. Given everything we've talked about, the sacrifice, the, the needing the right people to surround you, what lessons would you give a kid who, who looks up to you and is like, when I dream of my future, I want to, I want to be Carly Lloyd. I think that they're not going to be Carly Lloyd, right? We're, we're all we're all different, you know. And and I think that you can be inspired by someone, but you shouldn't try to be somebody else because everybody's their own their own unique person. And so, what I would say is, don't be fearful of anything. You know, I think what kind of helped me through this journey is just not caring if I'm ever going to make a mistake or fail. Of course, at training sessions and stuff, you, you harp on, you know, giving the ball away or whatnot, but just having no fear to try different things, to put yourself out there, to make yourself uncomfortable, you know, all of those things help just shape you into who you are. And life has taught me that you've got to work extremely hard at whatever you want in life. And it sounds so easy, like, oh yeah, like I'll, I'll just go home, I'll, I'll work hard. No, there's, there's a purpose to working hard. It's, it's not just saying you're going to work hard. It's, it's doing actionable things every single day to better yourself. So yeah, not being fearful, working hard. And the third thing I would say is competing against yourself. That has not failed me. I think so often we we look to the person next to us or in front of us and we wish, you know, we had something that they had or we compare ourselves to them. I did my absolute best to never compare myself to anybody. Just tried to be the best version of myself each and every day and embrace that along with the working hard and not fearing things has kind of allowed me to take on this journey. Thank you for inspiring all of us. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for getting off a plane from Qatar and coming and spending <laughs> time with us. And I hope you continue to soak it all in. Yeah, Carly, thanks, Lloyd. Carly Lloyd, Appreciate thank you it. so much. Women's soccer legend, Carly Lloyd, speaking to me recently at Religion of Sports House of Football. 
an incredible week-long event that celebrated the sport during the World Cup. Okay, so to find out about our upcoming interviews, follow Religion of Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me. I am at Fearless Green. That is Fearless underscore Green with an E on the end. If you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. I got to say, this show would not be what it is without an extraordinary team making it all happen. In the Moment is produced by Sarah McCrory. Sound design and mixing by Michael Raphael and Justin Gonzalez at PRX Productions. Britt Kahn is our talent booker. Our production manager is BJ Olin. Story research was done by Joe Levin. Kevin Sullivan edited this episode and is the head of talk. Gotham Chopra, Amit Sankaran, and Adam Schlossman are our executive producers. And Fearless Media is our consulting producer. Also, special thanks to Teresa Tran. In the Moment is a production of Religion of Sports and PRX. I'm David Green. We're going to be back next week with another athlete and their moment.